Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Today's reading comes from Romans chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people, whom he foreknew. That's granted. But they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you, who were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to the disobedience so that, over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. The word of the Lord. Well, I reckon it took my dad about uh, probably two years, I reckon, to uh, start asking, seriously asking the question about whether or not it was right and good and okay to allow um, his partner, his wife, my stepmom, to go into care. Uh, it was a long, long journey for him to get to the point of even asking that question. And then it wasn't so long, maybe another year, that it finally happened. And uh, the reason I think that it was so difficult for him to decide that very tough decision, which many people around our community have to make and have made or will have to make, my kids will have to make it for me maybe if I last that long, um, I think the reason that it's difficult was because it was, uh, it was about the question of faithfulness. So um, Dad was concerned about being faithful. He was absolutely committed to those vows that he had made in their marriage ceremony so long ago, and those vows that were spoken to him were irrevocable, can't be taken back can't be bent, can't be gone back on, that sort of thing. He told me this, and he said that he said, till death do us part, and he meant it. So it was extremely difficult for him to part when they weren't dead. You get the point. So with that thought, irrevocable, immovable commitment and loyalty, that's where Paul is at on this particular part of his letter to the Christians in Rome. He says, God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Can't be removed, can't be taken back, can't be bent, can't be fudged. God decides to call people and you are called. God decides to give gifts and you are gifted. That's just how it is with God. 
Now, this is like, it reminded me of a time at Mr. and Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Adler's house after church on Sunday mornings when I was about 16 or 17. Uh, Mrs. Adler was about four foot three with a very thick German accent. And when she cooked lunch, it was irrevocable. Uh, it was a feast for an army. Big German sausages and all German Adler, thick German accent, and her famous, eat more, eat more. So we did. I mean, we weren't going to let her down. So whenever we went there for lunch, that was just fantastic. That was a week. That lasted a week, that meal, as a, as a young kid. So I ate dutifully. It was hard. And uh, Mrs. Adler had decided to have lunch, and you, it was lunch for an army, and you're the army, and you had to eat it. And she was a bit disappointed if you'd have to have second or thirds. You get the point. Her decision was irrevocable. So God speaks about, uh, Paul speaks about God's decisions like that. They are irrevocable, unchanging. God's unchanging mind when it comes to calling us and gifting us um, and even gifting us with the best gifts that one could ever have, even better than German sausages. Hard to know, hard to believe, I know. Uh, so Paul speaks about this because he's looking around at his culture and at his town and at his community and at his nation and he can see that largely his own people have completely rejected the greatest gift and the greatest call by the greatest person ever, Jesus of Nazareth. In fact, they killed him. So he sees this. And so the obvious question is asked, did God reject his people? Hmm, not sure. They have rejected God, but has God rejected them? Because God's people won't eat that choice meal and because they have rejected God's I do to them in the person of Jesus, Paul asks if this means that, well, if it's not their fault, then is it God's fault? Has God's vow, God's call, God's gifts, right from creation to Abraham to David to the prophets to Jesus, has it failed? That's his question. And as he often says in Romans, no way, Jose, me genetop in Greek. No way, says Paul. This is not how it is. God's plans don't fail because God's love never fails. His decisions, his promises, his vows, his plans, all from a heart of love and deep commitment to his world, to the Jewish people and to the non-Jewish people, Gentiles, you and me, they have not failed and can never fail. That's what Paul's saying. Why is it so? Because it's God who makes the decisions, not me or you or us. He makes the decision, which is why it sticks. And it's irrevocable, unmovable. What God says is what God does. And what God does is exactly what he says totally in sync, if you like. So once God decides to love, he loves. And once God decides to heal, he heals. And once God decides to promise you, he promises you. 
And even more than your decisions or my decisions, at times at least, God's decision is immovable and unchangeable and irrevocable. He doesn't take his decisions back. And he doesn't fudge his decisions depending on the wind or the sin or the kin. And what has God decided for you? Paul puts it beautifully. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for who? The ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, you know the text, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has decided to love you, friend. And if God decides to love you, you are loved. And it doesn't change. It's irrevocable. God has decided to call you and gift you when your purposes may have been unclear and your gifts were a bit shabby. Okay, that's all well and good, but so many don't know this, don't want to know this, have never known this around us. So many people, they don't want this, they don't trust this. And we know what it's like to be poor. Looking around in our community, we also see that it looks like God is failing. It's not working, God. You're not showing them. You're not getting through to them. Your decisions aren't strong enough. You don't look strong enough. You're not doing enough, God. Both the Jew and the Gentiles, the churched and the unchurched or the de-churched, the prideful and the desperate, the good and the bad, the rich and the poor, the religious and the irreligious. It doesn't seem to be working, God. But even in this, Paul is 100% sure that God's decision is still current and still effective. Yes, there are Jews and there are Gentiles. There are those who know God's decisions and love them and love him. There are those who don't and have never heard of these things. And many people are so currently convinced that they are indeed good enough for their own love. But friends, Paul kind of hints, I think, that even this can change. Things change. People change. They do. Things can change over time. Paul says that just as nations rise and fall, as we are currently possibly seeing, uh, so does the living and the loving and the decisions and the living in those decisions of people. Once it was the Jews who knew God's presence and his promises personally. Remember the Old Testament with all those amazing stories and amazing events. Once it was them, they had it all. He's said that prior. But for the time being, it seems, they've kind of lost it and they've missed the greatest present, the greatest gift and the greatest decision ever made for them, God becoming with us and for us in the person of Jesus. So now the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, they seem to know, they seem to be getting it. They seem to be receiving it. They seem to be very aware of God's promises and his presence in a whole new way, more than God's Old Testament people. So can you see that he seemed to be saying to me, at least, things wax 
and wane. And this is how it is. And we're the same, I think. Sometimes we live as we say we believe. We actually trust Jesus and we know him personally and we delight in his promises and his presence in his word by his spirit and his love affects everything in our life for a time. And what we, it affects everything. Uh, what we put our heart and soul into and what we don't put our heart and soul into. What we do and what we don't do. Where we serve and where we don't serve. We are close and we live as we believe. We live in the decisions and the, the commitment of God. And we are loyal and we're committed and we know God's love and we give it. At other times, we wax and we wane. We don't live like we say we believe. We don't trust we reject God's word as we largely ignore it and him on a daily basis. We turn away from God's promises and we go it alone and we trust ourselves or others to be good enough or wise enough or loving enough or smart enough or beautiful enough or whatever. We go it alone without the greatest gift and the greatest love from the unstoppable and unchangeable will of God, love. Jesus. The thing Paul seems to say in all this waxing and waning for us and for the world, Jews and Gentiles, Christians and pagans and atheists, between the forgetful or the lax or the unclear and the struggling, is still the truth. God has decided. He has decided, and once he decides, it's irrevocable. He'll be like this AFL CEO. Gillan McLaughlin soon, he'll have to make a great announcement about where the grand final is going to be, which city is going to get the grand final. And once those words are out, there'll be no taking them back. This is what's going to happen. Like, remember the Juan Antonio Summeranch, Summeranch whatever his name was, the, the Olympic man. And the winner is Sydney. You got it. Once God does it and says it, it's done and it's said. And there's no taking it back. And he's decided to love and to gift, and to call. That's how it is. God will love. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of the Jewish people's disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. So there's this going back and forward. We're all learning and teaching each other. So one person trusts and receives and knows the love of God given in their baptism and they live in that grace and another person maybe used to, maybe never really did, maybe never had the chance and that's the way it is. But nevertheless, God has decided to love them all, them all. And somehow love and mercy will prevail. That seems to be where he ends up in Romans 10. God's love and mercy, his decisions, his will, his act, his grace will prevail in some way for each person. I don't know what that means. God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. That sounds weird. Sounds strange. God makes people fickle and disobedient or unresponsive so that he can eventually love them. I don't know if I understand that fully. I'm not sure. But whatever this means, I'm pretty sure, either way, God's decision to call you 
and to gift you and to gather you and to empower you, all in a spirit of love, remains. Always. Always remains. Love always wins. So God's decisions remain bankable, friend, for you at the moment, whatever that looks like. His love remains bankable. His decisions are still true and they are effective and they are enough. God's decision to love and gift and call you is trustworthy, worthy of your trust, solid, effective, the way God intends for you. So here this evening, this morning, the weekend, God has decided to love you. That's the facts. Consider yourself loved. God has decided to call you into his service. Consider yourself called. God has decided to gift you on the inside and around you. Consider yourself gifted. Use the gifts well, friend. Use the gifts well to love him and to love his world. This is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. It is love. In the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au